Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's good to be together again in the house of God. Amen. Amen. I trust your weeks have gone well and that God has been faithful. Have you seen the faithfulness of God? Huh? Oh, both of us have, huh? What about the rest of us? Have we seen the faithfulness of God? Okay, amen, amen. Praise God. I want to get right into the message this morning. I have so much to share with you from the Word, and then I want to get into uh, the practical part of the message as well. Um, the, the, the title or the, the topic that I want to give you, I've, I've put there positioned for purpose. Positioned for purpose. Each of us, we have a purpose, whether we're walking with the Lord, whether we've been walking with Him for years, He has a purpose on our life. Even, even if we're here this morning and we've not yet made that decision to follow Jesus Christ with everything that we have, still He has a purpose on your life. Amen? And if we look back, I, I, like, I like to look back at where God has brought me. This morning we sang that song, I'm standing here only because you made a way back there. We can't sing that song unless we have the ability within us to look back and see the way that God has made. Amen? Each of us, if I would, if I would give you an opportunity, each of you would be able to give a, an, a testimony or be able to give an example of how God positioned you to bring you to the place where you are today. And we, we're continuing to experience more and more of what it is to walk in our purpose and to walk in the anointing and the calling that God put in us since before the beginning of time. Amen? Has He done something for you to bring you where you are? Has He opened doors for you? Huh? Only a few of us are, are shaking our heads. Has God opened any doors for you? Yes, of course. We're standing here now today because of what he did back there. I could take you and I could tell you story after story after story of, of, of doors that God opened up and of, of relationships that God connected that, that I could have never imagined, that I could have never dreamed. And when I look in retrospect or when I look behind I see the way that God positioned those relationships or the way, the way that God strategically opened those doors. Even those times when God closed some doors. I was talking to a friend this week and he said something happened back then that he looks back. It, it was difficult when he was, when he was going through that experience, but when he looked back, he saw the reason why God took him through that difficult experience. And we, we have some of those same testimonies. That we, as we're passing through that difficulty, we don't, we don't capture the full picture. But when we turn and when we look back, then it starts to make more sense. Amen? I want us to look today at the life of Saul. The life of Saul. And if we, if we follow this life of Saul from the time when he was a boy until after that, encounter that he had with Christ on the Damascus Road, and even getting in now into his ministry as an apostle, we see the way that God positioned him in order for him to be able to fulfill and accomplish the purpose that was on his life. 
Psalm 37, 23, we'll start there and it says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights, God delights in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Sometimes we don't always understand where, why we go where we go or why we do what we do. There's times when God asks us to, to, to take a step of faith or God takes us on a journey and we don't, always, we don't always know at the time what God has in store. But Scripture tells us in the book of Psalm chapter 37 that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Even though we don't always know the reasons why we're passing through what we're passing through, it's God who orders our steps. Praise the Lord. Amen. Turn with me uh, to the book of Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verses 57 through 60. And I have so much scripture for you, uh, especially from the book of Acts. We're going to spend the majority of our time in the book of Acts this morning. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, you can follow along with me on the screen. But I want to I want to begin by laying a foundation regarding the life of Saul. And we're going to start by looking at those days before he encountered the, the, the Lord, okay? Before he encountered Christ. Actually, we'll start at age 13. At age 13, Saul went to become a protege for a rabbi. And he spent about five or six years being mentored by a rabbi. And so now he's 18, 19 years old, and he spent these five, six years spending so much time living with the rabbi and following everything that the rabbi did. Saul was right there with him, watching every move that he made, the way that he, the way that he ate his food, the way that he put on his clothes, the way that he interacted with people, the way that he studied the book of the law, the way that he did every, the way that he tied his sandals, everything. Saul watched so intricately the way that this rabbi lived his life from age 13 on up. You know what, age 13, that's a very impressionable age. There's a lot of development that's happening in the life of a 13-year-old, and Saul, at that point in his life, He's being developed and he's being trained by following this rabbi. Now imagine, imagine what's happening inside of Saul as he's spending these five or six years being trained that, that intricately. He gained substantial understanding of, this, of the scriptures and of the law. Actually, let's read, let's read together as, Paul, uh, as Saul was in these, in these uh, days one encounter that he had while he was following this rabbi. Acts chapter 7, verses 57 through 60. When you're there, say, I'm there. It says this. This is the account. I'm coming in in the middle of this account when they're stoning Stephen. Okay? You remember this time in Scripture where they're stoning Stephen. We're coming in in the, in the, in the middle of that account. It says this in verse 57. Then they cried with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him, that being Stephen. And the witnesses, capture this, the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named who? Named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God. 
saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And, he, and when he had said this, he fell asleep or he died. So now here's this young Saul, this young man, and he's in, those, he's in the middle of those five or six years following the life of the rabbi, capturing everything that the rabbi did. And there's, there was a day that, I, I don't know how they began their days, but at some point the rabbi said, okay, protege, okay, Saul, come with me. Today we're going and we're going to stone one of those guys who's preaching Christ. And so they, they followed, Saul followed the rabbi to the place where this stoning was supposed to be taking place. And he, he watched as, as Stephen was still in the middle of those stones being hurled at him. Stephen was still calling on the name of the Lord. Crying out to the Lord. And those guys, as they were preparing to pick up those stones, it was at the feet of Saul that they threw their jackets. Saul was there at this impressionable age, and he was watching all of this take place. He was in the middle of the action. He wasn't on the outside looking. He was in the middle of what was going on. It was at his feet that all the coats of all those guys were being laid as they stoned Stephen. What an impressionable time. In the midst of this, as I mentioned, he gained substantial understanding of Scripture. He knew the law very, very well. And he knew the law so well that he became known as an expert, as an authority in the land. Actually, he served in a capacity that today we would know, we would know as, a, as the capacity of a lawyer or an attorney. At that young age, now 1920, Saul's serving in that capacity. He, he, was, he, he was so knowledgeable of the law that he was put in the council of the Sanhedrin. Are you familiar with that council of the Sanhedrin? The Sanhedrin council. This is a council, it, it, would, it would be similar to, to like, a, like a village council, functioning under the, the, the chief of the village now. But, but there was 23, maybe 27 members of the council, and any decisions that were made that, that had to be made according to the law were made at the advice of this council. Now Saul, at this young man, at this young age, around 20 years old by now, he's a member of that Sanhedrin council. Let's look at Acts chapter 5. Go, go a few pages before Acts chapter 5. Verses 26 through 29. Acts chapter 5, verses 26 through 29. It says this Acts chapter 5, verses 26 through 29. Then the captain went with the officers, and they brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they brought, and when they had brought them, they set them before who? Before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Saul is serving on that council as they're bringing believers, as they're bringing those who have been converted to the, law, the old law and they're, they're being converted to believing in, in Jesus Christ. 
Now, to, to before they can persecute those Christians, those early Christians, they have to be brought before the council. And Saul is seated in that council. At a, at a young age, he was passionate. He became passionate about the law. Acts 8, 3. Acts 8, in verse 3, it says, for, as, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. This man, not only was he greatly influenced, but he had great influence as well. He was greatly influenced by those years that he spent by, under, the, under the teaching of the rabbi. But he also gained so much influence at a young age. This is a young man who knew the law, he knew the scriptures, he knew what was supposed to be happening, and he wanted to be sure that people were following the law. And if anybody was doing anything other than what the law required, he was the one to go into their house, pull them from their house, I don't know if they were in their recliner, but he pulled them from that recliner and he threw them into the jail. This is the life of Saul. When Christians saw this guy coming down the street, imagine what went through them. Fear would go through them. Anxiety. Now is he going to bring me? Is he going to take me to jail? But one day, God saw all this happening and God said enough is enough. Enough is enough. God saw the influence that was in the life of this young man. God saw the way that he studied. He loved to study the law. He loved to, to dig deep into the law and to, to understand what, what is it requiring? What is, what's the law demanding? God saw all of this happening. And he said, I've got a purpose for that guy. I've got a purpose. As he was, Scripture says he was wreaking havoc in the church. God says, I've got a purpose for him. You know, there's those people in our life where we don't understand how any good can come out of them. They even said the same about Jesus. What good can come out of Nazareth? There's people that we, that we think that way towards. What good can ever come from this life? But God says, don't worry. I've, I have a purpose. I have a plan. I'm, 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 I'm equipping them for something. There's something that I want to bring out of that life. God had the same plan for Saul. Go, go now to uh, Acts chapter 9, and we'll read verses 1 through 22, almost the whole chapter of Acts chapter 9. And I want us to capture very well the encounter that Saul had with Christ on this day. Acts chapter 9 from verse 1 through 22. It says this, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, the capital W way means those guys are in the way of Christ. They're in the way of salvation. Whether men or women, that, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 
It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Said he, trembling and astonished, he said, so he's trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7, Then the men who journeyed with him stood speechless. They heard a voice, but they saw no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and he went, and his eyes were opened, but he saw no one. But they led him by the hand, and they brought him into Damascus. For, for he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drink. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has, a, he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call upon your name. But, but the Lord said, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. Capture that verse. For I will show him many how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, and he entered into the house. And laying hands upon him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, and he, that he is the Son of God. That Then all who, learned, who heard were amazed, and they said, Is this not the one who destroyed those who called upon this name in Jerusalem? And who came here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength, and he confounded the Jews who dwelt in, in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, before we go farther, I want to make one thing very, very clear. Most of the time when this scripture is taught, somehow a preacher slips in there that it was at this time that Saul's name was changed to Paul. But do we find that in this scripture? No, we don't, we don't read that. There was a time now down the road, I think around chapter uh, 18, somewhere there, that we find Saul being referred to as Paul. We can, we can put it here, and we see, we've seen God do that in the past, the way that he changed Abram's name to Abraham, the way that he changed Sarai's name to Sarah, and he changed so many other names. We've seen the way that God did that, but we can't say specifically at this time God changed Saul's name to Paul because we don't find it there. Amen? But we, we know that something deep happened in the heart 
of Saul at this day. Actually, a few chapters down, we still find God himself referring to this guy as Saul. Okay? So it wasn't at this time, but sometime there, sometime there, they started referring to Saul now as Paul. But there's a couple of things here that I want us to capture. First of all, in verse number uh, 4 and then in verse number 5, God said, Jesus says something that's very peculiar. He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Then Saul says, who are you? Jesus says, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Was there ever a time, was there ever a time when Saul picked that stone and threw it at Jesus himself? No. Was there ever a time when Saul went to Jesus and took him from his house and put him in jail? No. So why is God saying, I'm the one whom you're persecuting? How can he say that? It wasn't Jesus himself that was being persecuted, but it was the, the children of Jesus. Be sure, let me tell you something, church. Be sure that if somebody is coming against you, if somebody is coming against you, God will personally get involved in that situation. God says he took it so personal that, that Saul was persecuting his children that God says, now is, I'm taking this upon myself. I, now I'm the one who's taking offense to what's going on here. I saw the way that you stoned Stephen. I saw the way, not that Saul was stoning Stephen, but he stood by as all of those. I saw the way that he went to the chief priest and he said, I need to go find more followers of Christ to get in, put into prison. God said, now I'm, I'm taking that personally. He does the same thing today. This God that we serve does the same thing today. When somebody is coming after you, it won't take God long before he personally gets involved in that situation. You know the way I love these girls that, that bear my resemblance. They bear my name. Hmm? Until some other boy comes and, and takes their name. Now they, take, now they have my name. Hmm? I tell them they have to wait until they're 30, 40, 50, somewhere in there before they can leave. <laughs> but they always refuse. But, <laughs> oh, 50's too old. Uh, but be sure, be sure that if somebody comes now, even at this young age, if somebody comes now and they give my girls a hard time, I won't sit by for long and watch that go by. I'll personally get involved. I'll personally get involved. Your children... Your children, I count your children as my own. If I see somebody coming against one of your children, it won't take me long before I stand up and say, that's, that's my son, that's my daughter. God did the same for his children. Saul was, was persecuting those believers, and God said, I'm the one whom you're pers persecuting, because God took that personal. What a father. What a God that we serve. Amen? Now remember, this is the Saul that has a reputation. As God is, is giving instructions to Ananias, Ananias has already heard about this guy. And he says, God, are you sure you've got the right one? Are you sure we're talking about the right one that you want me to go and bring healing to? Because I've heard about this guy. Imagine Ananias is arguing with God. 
I've heard about this guy. I've heard the way that he's, that he's causing havoc in Jerusalem. I know the reason that he's in this area. He wants to bring that same chaos here. And now, God, you're telling me to go and help that guy? God, are you sure? God said, no, I'm positioning him for his purpose. I have something for him. He says, he said, in verse 15, the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. Why? To bear my name before the Gentiles, and not only the Gentiles, but also kings and the children of Israel. God, when, 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 all of society was looking at Saul and they saw Saul as a menace and they saw Saul as trouble. God said, I'm going to promote him. I'm going to do something in his life. I'm going to bring him into his destiny. I'm going to bring him into his purpose. I'm going to bring him into the reason that I created him. And I'm going to put him before kings. And I'm going to, I'm going to raise him up so that he'll declare my name even amongst the children of Israel. What a God! How many times do we give up, not, not only on other people, but we even give up on our own destiny? Because circumstances around us look like we're never going to get anywhere. But God says, no, I still have an Ananias who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to that Ananias, and he's going to come and he's going to propel you into your destiny. He's going to come and he's going to push you into the purpose that I have for you. So Ananias obeys. Ananias obeys. And, and, he, and, and we find in verse 20 that it says, after, after Saul wait to, waited until his ordination service, then he began preaching. Hmm? In verse 20. After Saul had his ordination service, he began preaching. Huh? Is that what it says? All right. Huh? When did Paul, Saul begin preaching? Immediately. Immediately. And not only did he begin preaching immediately, but it says in verse 22 that he, he increased all the more in strength and he confounded the Jews who dwelt in, in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Hallelujah. He didn't wait as soon as he had that encounter with the Lord. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, is there an Ananias sitting amongst us today? Is there an Ananias that's sitting amongst us? That there's somebody in your life, that as you look at them, you've written them off. And you said, for that one, there's no hope. They're so far gone down that path, God will never use them. But God is sitting on the throne room of heaven, and he's saying, no, I created him for a purpose. I created him for a destiny. I have a calling. I have an anointing that's available. And he's asking you, and he's asking me, will you and I be the Ananias who goes and touches that one? And he goes and he brings healing. So that now Saul can begin immediately preaching. Who's in your life? Who's in my life? That God is asking me to propel them into their destiny. You see, when we, when we, when we address this with a religious mindset, 
we say, let me be the one who's promoted. Let me be the one who's in the spotlight. Let me be the one who, who's, who everybody sees. But now when we put on a kingdom mindset, we say, God, who are you asking for me to add value to? Who are you asking for me to go and minister to? Because you have something great. Ananias wasn't, wasn't the star in this account. He wasn't the star. He wasn't the one who changed so many lives. We talk about Saul, we talk about Paul and the, the, the amazing ministry that he had. Ananias was so key. Is there an Ananias amongst us this morning that God's saying, I'm asking you, go and touch that life. Go and, go and release their blindness. Go and, go and unleash what's, what's binding them. Jesus promised whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven, but also whatever is loosed on earth will also be loosed in, in heaven. Ananias loosed that blindness that was binding him. I think it was more than just a physical blindness, but even a spiritual blindness. This guy knew the law, but he was missing a key part, and he got that key part on the road to Damascus. Now, what happened afterwards? Now we've, we've, we've looked at the life of Saul before this encounter. We've looked at the encounter. Now let's look just a little, uh, if we can, at what happened in his life afterwards. Go to chapter 11, Acts chapter 11, verses 20 through 26. Acts chapter 11, verses 20 through 26. It says this, but some of them were men, and again, we're cutting in, we're cutting in. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had heard, when they had come to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came, he had seen the grace of God, and he was glad and encouraged with them that, that with purpose of heart they should continue in the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas, de Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek who? To seek Saul. Now listen. And when he had found him, when he had found Saul, he brought him back to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now watch this. Watch this. It wasn't so long ago. It wasn't so long ago that Saul was wreaking havoc in this same place, in this same church, with these same people. He was pulling them from their houses and throwing them in jail. Now, while all of this was happening in the life of Saul, 
These guys in Antioch, in the church in Jerusalem, they were still going on. They were still meeting. They were still growing in the Lord. And revival was starting to break out. And they were calling for evangelists. They were calling for leaders. They were calling for revivalists to come and, 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 and take them farther and to come and, and, and fan the flame that God was starting to burn in these churches. And so they called for Barnabas. And Barnabas went. And Barnabas said, I've been hearing there's some revival that's going on over there near Tarsus. Let me go over there and see what's going on so that we can bring that fire back here and, and, and encourage this. Who did, who did Barnabas find when he went to Tarsus? Saul! The same one who used to persecute these guys. And he said, Saul, you have to come back and testify to what's happened in your life. So this same Saul, who not that long ago was throwing these guys in prison, that not too long ago was, was wreaking havoc in the church, now came and became their pastor for a whole year. Only God. You see what God does. When our backs are against the wall and it looks as if it was over, God made a way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God positioned this guy for the purpose that was on his life. Do you remember back then when we said he was a man of influence? He was a man of influence. Even at that young 20 years, 19 years, 20 years, Still now, he's a man of influence. Amen? That thing that was built inside of him to influence people and to lead people, still up until this point, he was still influencing. He was still leading. And he still had that same passion and that same zeal for the Scriptures. But now this time, that Scripture that he taught included the Messiah included Jesus. Let's, let's go to our, our last scripture here, Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. <clears throat> Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. Now he's called Paul in scripture. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house. Somebody's going to get tripped up on that thing that he's renting a house. In his own rented house, and he received all who came to him preaching the kingdom. Preaching the what? Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Still he's a man of influence. Back then he was a man of influence. Still he's a man of influence. Back then he loved the scripture. He loved the law. Now he still loves the scripture and he loves the law. You see, that, that, those years that Saul spent with the rabbi, God was positioning him for what was ahead. Those years that he spent on the Sanhedrin council, God was positioning him for what was ahead. Although he was no friend to the church, although when it came to those who loved Jesus Christ, he, he wanted nothing to do with those guys. God was positioning him. You see, God does the same thing for us. He positions us 
along the way because he knows what he wants to do with us. He knows where he wants to take us. He knows the purpose. He knows the anointing. He knows the ministry. He knows the, 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 the assignment that's on our lives. And all those days up until we reach that point of beginning to walk in that assignment, he's positioning us. And he's putting people in our path. And he's connecting us. And he's building relationships. And he's, he's putting people together. And he's, he's opening doors that you don't understand. And he's closing doors that you don't understand. And maybe he's taking things out of your life and there's difficulty as those things are being removed. But he knows what he's doing. Because there's a purpose on the other end. Somewhere along that journey, he sends an Ananias. He sends an Ananias because God says, I've, I've done so much for this guy. Now I need somebody, now I need somebody to go and, 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 and push. Go and push. Sometimes we don't like being pushed. Hmm? Sometimes we don't like being pushed. Sometimes it hurts for those scales to be ripped off of our eyes. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's difficult. But God knows what he's doing. And there's a purpose, there's a plan that's on the other side. So in, in, your, in, your, in your own journey now, how has God positioned you? I want us to take just a few moments and look back. Look back at what he's given you. Maybe some of you, he's given a, a, a love and a passion for sports. Be sure that somewhere in your purpose, God's going to use athletics. Maybe, maybe God has put inside of you the, the ability to sing. You love singing. Be sure, somewhere God's going to use that for his glory and for his honor. That, that, those things that Saul experienced back then, he, when he was doing those things, he never said, one day I'm going to preach this gospel. That was the farthest thing from his mind. If you would have told him then, Saul, one day you're going to preach the gospel, he would have said you're crazy. <laughs> hmm? That was the farthest thing from his mind. But God was training him. God was equipping him. He was, he was nurturing what was already inside of this young man because he knew, God knew what was around the corner. I've told you, if I've told you one time, I've told you 100 times that if you're breathing today, you have a purpose. If you're breathing today, you have an assignment. You have a call. You have an anointing. There's something that God wants to do in you, but not only in you, also through you. God wants to use you to impact lives. God wants to use you to remove the scales off of eyes. And not only you, but even people that are close to you, people that are around you, people that are, people that are at your workplace, people that are at your school, people that are in your family. God wants to use you the way that he used Ananias. And don't be surprised when God comes and, and he speaks to you you know that guy? Go and minister to him. Go and befriend him. <laughs> hey, don't argue the way Ananias argued. Hmm? God knows what he's doing. 
that guy who has been so difficult, that guy who's been so challenging to you, the one who is so unlovable, when God says go and love them, go. It's because God has something that he's wanting to un unravel in that life. There's lives that are waiting to be changed. They're waiting for that soul to be free so that their own lives can be changed. But before all that can happen, Ananias has to go. You and I, we have to go. Mm -hmm. You see, I, I love this because there's so much that we can pull from it. There's so much that we can pull. We can get encouraged because God has a purpose for us. We can get encouraged because that one who, we, who we've been praying for, and it seems like they just keep moving in the opposite direction, and they keep moving in the other way, but we still were praying for them. We can get encouraged by this word because we know that God still has a plan. He still has something on their life. If not that, we can, get, we can ask God, I'm willing, we can tell God I'm willing to be Ananias. I'm willing to go whoever you want to send me to, to, to go to. So I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know where, which, which of those drawing points connects to you. But I want, us to, I want us to take a few moments just to reflect on where do you fit in on this journey. How, how, how do you most relate in the life of Saul and the journey that he went on? Maybe you're, you're still there in those pre-Damascus Road days. The things that you're doing just don't make sense. I don't know why. I don't know why these doors are closing. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. God has a plan for you. There's something that God has for you. Maybe you're on the other, your other, the other side of that. And you say, God, I'm starting to walk in this assignment. I'm starting to walk in this ministry. I'm starting to walk in this calling. But I need more strength. I need more of who you are. I need more of you in me so that I can fulfill what you've given me. Maybe you relate very well in your, you find yourself in the shoes of Ananias. And God's putting somebody in your heart to go and minister to, to go and, 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 and walk with, to go and disciple. Wherever you find yourself, can we take a few moments and just respond to God in that way? Worship team, would you come and prepare yourself just to minister with a few choruses as we respond to the word and also prepare for our time of communion?